Welcome to Talking Supply Chain. In each episode, top supply chain industry professionals and the nation's top thought leaders join host Brian Strait and share their unique insights to help supply chain managers stay one step ahead of their competition. This is Talking Supply Chain. If you've been in the supply chain industry over the past five years, you've experienced black swan events. Black swans are supposed to be this once-in-a-lifetime event, but if it feels like we're now swimming among many black swans, think of this. COVID, ships stuck in the Suez Canal, climate-related impacts, ongoing raw material shortages, global conflicts, and now shipping vessels being attacked in the Red Sea. If disruption and chaos are the new norm, then we have to learn to live with and manage through them. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Talking Supply Chain. My name is Brian Strait, and I am Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Management Review, and I will be your host for today as we tackle the issue supply chain managers of all stripes are battling on a daily basis. Namely, how do we survive during this time of what seems like daily black swan events? And how do we do that while thriving? Joining me today is Ted Klein. Ted is managing partner at Boston Strategy Group and a good friend of Supply Chain Management Review, for which he's written past articles, and we're very appreciative of that. And he has another one coming up that will publish in our July issue later this year. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, too, uh, with Ted. Ted, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Brian, and good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Um, let's get right to it. we got a lot to get to on this topic, so I want to jump right into it. Um, to get started, though, I want to head back to the good old days of 2022, which I think for many people in supply chain seems a long time ago. Uh, you wrote an article for SCMR on implied improvisation, and I understand there's been some updates on this, and I'm hoping you can give us some updates on that. But for many of our audience, they may not understand what this concept is. So can you explain what imp applied improvisation actually is? I'd be happy to, Brian. Um, applied improvisation is really not rocket science. It's quite straightforward. It is a learning technique or a educational process. Nothing more complicated than that. But it is unique and it is very, very innovative and it is quite a bit different. Uh, it is very new in the sense that uh, only begun to pick up traction in about the last five years amongst many, many large global companies, especially in the manufacturing sector. To basically explain what applied improvisation is, uh, we want to go back to its roots, and we want to talk about improv comedy. Now, many people will look at this and say, comedy, you've got to be kidding me in some way. Uh, I'm not in business to be funny. What does improv have anything to do with what I need to do to deal with black swan events? Well, for those of you in the audience who've ever watched an improv comedy show, uh, it can give you a little bit of insight in terms of what applied improvisation is. So if you've ever watched Whose Line Is It Anyway or some other improv comedy show, uh, you can imagine what's going on up on the stage. You're seeing a cast of characters. This cast of characters is making things up on the spot. They're not dealing with any kind of a script. They have no uh, props. They don't know what character they're going to play. But nonetheless, they put together a very comprehensive story, especially when it's done well, that can be very engaging and fun for the audience to watch. Now, if you look at that cast, you might say, what are they doing? Well, they're listening very carefully to each other. They're collaborating. Their communication between each other is very specialized and effective. They are creating things on the spot. They are very self-aware of what they're saying and what everyone else is saying. And in many ways, they are leading the audience through a made-up story. 
Well, if we think of the words that I just used, collaboration, team building, creativity, innovation, being emotionally aware, leadership, many executives, when I talk about those words, they go, my God, that's what I want my people to be doing. And all of a sudden, people realize that the principles of improvisation or improv comedy are applicable to a business environment. Those people up in the cast have learned how to improvise to deal with ambiguity, to deal with the unknown, and they are creating something out of nothing, which essentially is what business does. We're creating value out of various different pieces. So improv comedy is one side of this. It's the idea of how do you speak and be authentic in the moment? And you can apply the basic comedic principles to business. And when you do, it's called the technique of applied improvisation. So improv is comedy. Applied improvisation is applying those ideas to a business or chaotic environment. Yeah. As, you, as you're telling that, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I could just see some manager out there listen to this and say, all right, I'm going to walk into my CEO's office. He's going to ask me about this situation. I'm going to say, I don't know, I'll make it up. Right. But that, I know that's not what we're talking about here. And, and I think we'll you'll get into explain why that's not really the case either here um, yep. as we talk more about it. But um, when I when I talked to you a while back, um, you introduced this concept to me um, and, and I kind of found it was fascinating the story you told me about how you got how you came upon this idea. And it helped me re- help reinforce the idea in me that inspiration can really come from anywhere. So would you share that story about how you came upon this? Sure. It's kind of fun. I'm at the latter age of my career. I've got a bunch of gray hair for what hair that's left. And I've spent many years, I've spent 40 years in the management consulting industry. I was uh, a senior person at IBM consulting for many years. I was a senior person at Accenture and with several other global consulting firms over the many years. Uh, So my background has been in working with C-level executives, with working with board members, basically in business strategy areas and Uh, organizational issues in large companies. Um, I had some time a few years ago, and I've always had a quirky sense of humor, and I decided I wanted to become a stand-up comedian. I looked around the Boston area where I reside. I could not find a class in stand-up comedy, but I saw that it was a class in improvisation, and this was comedy improvisation. And I said, what the heck, I'm going to take this class. So I show up for this improvisation comedy class, Uh, All of the other students were very young in their 20s, essentially Gen Zs. I'm a boomer. I stood out like a sore thumb. People basically said, what's grandpa doing in this class? Um, But I've always had this kind of quirky sense of humor. I've done a lot of presentations around the globe in my career. I've been a faculty member at some major institutions. So I'm comfortable speaking. I'm comfortable in getting up in front of a group. Once we started this improv class, by the time it was over, the first class of two hours, I said to the instructor, I said, wait a minute, this has nothing to do with improv. This is all good leadership techniques. These are management techniques that you're teaching us. How do we lead? How do we be emotionally aware? How do we create? How do we collaborate? How do we communicate effectively? And the instructor shrugged and said, I guess so. So I immediately saw that there were significant connections between the improv comedy side and good leadership and good management. And I went back and because I'm a bit of an academic, I did some research on this and that's how this thing got started. That's how Boston strategy got off the ground. Yeah. 
I, I love that. I mean, you're, you're just kind of looking for, hey, that next thing in my life, and then you end up coming right back in, into the world of consulting, right? With the, <laughs> you know, you're looking for something fun to do, and and you end up coming right back. Mm-hmm. Um, we are with uh, new techniques and new strategies and, and whatnot. Exactly. Um, yeah. The uh, I, I mentioned previously, you'd written an article previously for us. Um, so for our audience, that appeared in our November 2022 issue. And you can access that article if you want. Uh, it's it's entitled Leadership and Planning in an, in an Ambiguous World. Um, that is on our website, as I said, on scmr.com. It does require a subscription to read. But in that article, I, I, there was something that jumped out at me when I read it. Um, and that was a quote from Isaac Asimov. To succeed, planning alone is insufficient. And when I read that, it was like, you know what? That sounds like the supply chain today, right? <laughs> like nobody, you know, we plan and nothing happens. I mean, everything just gets blown up these days. Um, so given the state of supply chain today, wondering and all the disruptions, these these black swan events that happen so often now, um, why do you think that applied improvisation is kind of not a, maybe an answer to this, but fits so well into, into modern management here? Well, Applied improvisation, people are realizing, does fit exceedingly well into modern management and modern business thought these days. In fact, there have been numerous articles that have appeared in the Harvard Business Review, in McKinsey's presentations, in numerous other uh, prestigious business magazines talking about how applicable the theory of improvisation is to today's business world. It basically comes from a book that was written about 30 years ago, maybe longer, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, called Future Shock. The author's name is escaping me at the moment, but the point of that book was the world is accelerating, the pace of change is accelerating. And we've now seeing 30 years after that book was published, that actually happening. Uh, we Things are happening so fast and things are changing so fast that our ability to plan for them, to be able to anticipate them, to be able to understand what to expect is diminishing. We have to be able to act more and more in the moment as opposed to be able to take time and look and think and ponder what the best thing might be, especially from a manufacturing point of view where engineering is so important and engineers are taught how to optimize and how to apply equations and mathematics to optimize things. Well, we're finding that the pace of change is such that we can't optimize as well as we could have uh, several decades ago. And that's a kind of where improvisation theory, at least, begins to come up. The acceleration or the pace of change has improved. When you add in the idea that black swan events occur, things that you never anticipated and you never could consider how to react to, Having a basic understanding of improvisation is important. So going back to your earlier point, you don't want to go into your boss's office and just make things up on the fly. That's not appropriate. But you can begin to say to yourself, how, if I'm encountering a black swan event, do I want to think about it? What are the principles that I want to use to think about addressing a black swan event when they occur? COVID is a perfect example. No one anticipated that. No one expected that. There was great panic at the very beginning, uh, given that it was totally unknown and the answers were very ambiguous. But training yourself how to think about these situations can be very important or very valuable. 
And classic improvisation theory, the thing that the comedians practice and practice and are taught, if you do do classes in improvisation, you learn that there are nine key principles in improvisation. I won't go into all of them in great detail at the moment, but there are things where you have to be very, very aware. You have to be able to make connections between pieces. You have to be initiative. You have to be able to be comfortable in initiating, taking charge. You want to try to be as agreeable as possible with the environment that is changing around you. You want to constantly ask yourself, am I adding value? Is what I'm suggesting as simple as possible? And lastly, and probably most importantly, you have to be comfortable in creating something uh, where it didn't exist before. So these nine key principles are vital when you're encountering a block swan event. And if you partake of improvisation theory or class or read about it, you learn about these principles and it makes you so much more comfortable with the unknown. And that's basically it. We're all afraid of the unknown. We want to have things planned out for us, but we also have to get comfortable with not knowing. There's a phrase in improvisation that's called prepare to be unprepared. And it's classic, classic in the sense that none of us can be prepared for a black swan event, but we can be prepared to be uncomfortable with the situation and know how to act in a panic in a panic. Uh, environment. Uh, Many of our first responders are taught how to do this, and they are taught how to improvise in the situation. Police, firefighters, other emergency workers, they are all prepared to be unprepared. And what we've done is we've basically put some theory behind this, done quite a bit of research to help identify the basic values, principles, guidelines, and aspirations that an executive or manager wants to do in a black swan environment and improvisation is the umbrella around all of that. So it's, so it's kind of funny as you're, as you're speaking, I'm sitting here saying, okay, the idea behind improv is you, you don't know what to do, but you, you, the idea behind this is really to be prepared and, and be positioned and have yourself positioned, if you will, right. To, to be able to make decisions without panicking, without, um, and even though you don't know what those decisions are going to be, even though you don't know what the situation is going to be, you're ready to dive in, if you will, in that, right? So developing that flexibility. Precisely, right. that you're dealing with a uh, volatile, ambiguous situation, but you have a set of principles you're relying on to deal with it. I was a Boy Scout as a child. Be prepared is their motto. So that, so that I mean, the question that comes to my mind then based on that is that, isn't that just business planning? I mean, isn't that what businesses do now? It is business planning. That's a fair uh, assessment, but it is at a much more granular level. Most business planning is done on an annual, quarterly, or project basis. In some circumstances, business planning on a daily basis. But it's not two things. Is that improvisation is how do I deal with things in the moment? How do I deal with black swan events that have totally upset my planning cycle. The best example is COVID. No one anticipated it. It hit. No one could say, well, I anticipated that during our annual planning meeting last week or last year. Yeah. And, and, and I I think it's, you know, I mean, we talk COVID obviously is a great example here, but 
I mean, it's not just a black swan event, right, that this can be worked in. I mean, you think of like supply chains in Florida, you know, hurricanes. You Correct. Know, you don't know when a hurricane is coming. You just know that, hey, there'll probably be a hurricane at some point. We just don't know when. Um, and, and I've heard so many stories of companies on, on that kind of situation or a tornado, for instance. Um, I remember it was a story a number of years ago. A, a company got completely destroyed because they had one facility and a tornado came through and destroyed the facility. And exactly. the company had no idea. I mean, they didn't have any other way to do it. I mean, everything was in that facility. They had no, and, and you know, so it, it's planning for these kind of things that happen. And it's not just the COVID related um, things that we're dealing with here. It's these kind of unplanned, unknown uh, issues that pop up on a regular basis. Precisely. For ex uh, other examples, you're mentioning um, environmental issues, but you have technical uh, changes that occur. Suddenly you find out that your system has been hacked. Now, you may have a plan on the shelf, but I promise you, you can't anticipate what's going to happen. You may have a competitor that introduces an entirely new product or strategy. You may have a bit of a response ready, but it will not be detailed. You're going to have to improvise. Yeah. You may have a senior executive resign or move to another firm that you didn't anticipate. Now, you may have a um, succession plan, but perhaps you don't, and you've got to improvise until you can fill that executive spot. Yeah. So it has so, to do with you know various events and the granularity of those events. Yeah. So then how how is in incorporating improvis improvisation in here um, different from the way we're doing it then? A little bit different. It's a bit nuanced, but it's how do you react when things don't go your way? A plan basically says you anticipate something happening. I play chess. I anticipate what move my opponent is going to make. But sometimes they make a move that I never anticipated. That's one big difference. The second one goes back to your excellent point, which is you don't have control over the physical environment. Uh, now, again, we go back to COVID or we go back to a tornado or a hurricane. You may anticipate hurricanes, but you can't really anticipate the intensity of them or their path. That all happens at the last minute. Uh, so in a way, improvisation is an aggressiveness or an, a, an um, enhancement of what's going on in terms of change. It's rapid and immediate, volatile change where you have to react in the moment, yeah. where you can't anticipate what's going to happen. And, and so the, when you bring this into the business environment, um, what is the value that it, it sounds like this value here? Can you explain what that value actually is? The value comes out from a number of different places. When you learn improvisation, you learn how to be a better creator. So it improves creativity. Uh, improvisation builds trust in an organization. You can learn to anticipate or better understand what a colleague or even a competitor is going to be doing. When you build trust in an organization, you build people's engagement. So improvisation improves engagement. When you improve engagement, you can improve prof, uh, productivity. When you improve productivity, you can also improve profitability. That chain or that link has been shown in the business press, in business research, and in many, many different studies. So improvisation can, on the one hand, improve trust, which improves engagement, which improves productivity, which then improves profitability. From a second point of view, improvisation can improve leadership capability. It can improve uh, communications capability. 
It can improve um, collaboration. It can improve awareness and authenticity. So it improves a number of management capabilities and competencies, which can reduce errors and can increase profits. Yeah. So, I mean, this, I mean, look, this sounds great to me as I'm sitting here listening to it. And, and, uh, but I think there's probably some people out there listening and saying, well, that's great, but I don't have time to send my staff to an improv class. Right. So, I mean, how do you as a leader, do you develop the skill sets that, to apply this? Um, is that is it just simply a mindset that you have to think about? Is it something that needs to be taught that can be, that can be you know, that the leaders can learn and understand? And, and how, you know, who, who does this apply to? Who needs to know this? I mean, is it, is it the professional staff? Is it the workers, the, the management executives? I mean, where, where does this need to be implemented within the company, if you will? Right, and I'm reminded of an old phrase. If you say, if you consider the cost of the edu- of ed- what education costs, what about considering the cost of not educating people? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a little bit self-serving, serving, but um, most executives are on a lifelong quest for self-improvement and for continuing to learn new things. So for those clients of ours who say, I don't have the time, I say, okay, well, what are your possible losses for not having the time to at least explore this? Secondly, many clients who actually have done this or people who do it are amazed at the improvements they see and dive in much, much more deeply. Mm-hmm. Uh, if truly don't have the time or the situation is such, uh, reading about it, learning about it, it is a perspective, it is a philosophy, it is a mindset, the skills are learnable. And I would say four out of five of the executives who do learn this or who do support this see very clear benefits. There's a very clear business value proposition that they get. In terms of its uh, applicability, uh, I would say it is probably most applicable to a the newer generation that are entering the workforce today. Mm-hmm. Uh, executives, it certainly is applicable. Management, it's applicable to. But there's a gentleman by the name of Joseph Owen, A-O-U-N, who is the president of Northeastern University in Boston. And he wrote a wonderful book called Robot Proof, which talks about how to prepare people for the workforce of the future. And he makes a point, a superb point, that executives today, managers today, are all saying a similar thing. They are saying that the universities today are doing a superb job of teaching graduates about technology, They are very technology astute when they graduate. They are very analytical and they understand how to manipulate data when they graduate the university. But schools are no longer, not all schools, I'm generalizing, but schools are not teaching interpersonal skills, how to collaborate, how to communicate, how to work as part of a team. That to some extent our educational process has become deficient. And I would agree with that assessment. And improvisation, learning how to improvise, how to collaborate, communicate, uh, create exactly what that comedy team is doing up on stage are skills that this new generation uh, are highly applicable to. That That's an excellent point. Um, I've actually talked to some trade associations recently um, in the last few months that have kind of made that same point about students coming out and that you know, the universities and, and the educational system right now is doing really well teaching some of the technical skills and the technology they need. But what the businesses are finding is these these kids are coming into the, the business at this point 
with the tech skills, but they don't have the other part of the, the soft skills, the people skills that they need to make to make the tech skills really work, right? So that that the that those skills that require that the tech requires to operate correctly is not there at this point, and now they have to teach that part of it to them. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, when you have this younger generation who is more comfortable with improv comedy, more aware of improv comedy uh, than someone of my generation. They're more comfortable. Uh, they want to build trust within the organization. Doing various improvisational programs with these individuals uh, shows the individual that the company is interested in them getting developed as a person, and they become much more trustful, much more engaged, much more productive, and the company becomes more profitable. Um, it's great. Want to, um, this is the self-serving part of the podcast, if you will. Um, I w- want to tease the, the article that I mentioned that uh, you guys, you're working on me on for us uh, for our July issue. And that is on VUCA environments, V-U-C-A. Um, some people may not be familiar with that. Can you kind of explain what that is, talk about that, what that means? Sure. Uh, VUCA is another acronym that, um, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of acronyms, but is another acronym that has emerged in the last eight or 10 years. It came out of some studies that were done by the U.S. military, which have to do with how do you operate as a leader in a VUCA environment? It stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And anybody who has any service or military background knows that that's the environment that you're operating in a military situation. I mean, we can just think about what's happening in the Middle East today and immediately identify those four words, how volatile it is, how uncertain it is, how complex it is, and how ambiguous it can be. Now, several years ago, business executives began to say, wait a minute, given future shock, given the pace of change in the business environment, that they are dealing with a VUCA environment. And if you look at many industries today, it is highly VUCA. So many prestigious business magazines, especially the Harvard Business Review over the last several years have been writing about how does a business uh, executive operate in a VUCA environment? What are the skills? What are the techniques? What are the approaches that they need to learn to deal with this accelerated pace of change? Mm -hmm. Improvisation is one of the key ways for dealing with a VUCA environment. Again, I go back to what we started with is if you imagine that comedy improv cast up on the stage, well, it's a volatile environment. They have no idea where the story is going to go. It's highly uncertain. It's unscripted. Nobody can predict what their cast make is going to say or what's going to happen. It can get complex. You can watch that story unfold and it can get very complicated and it can get ambiguous. On stage, it can often be a great deal of confusion over who's saying what, what the relationships are between the people, etc. So comedic improv is highly VUCA. Well, so is business. And that, again, comes back to why the improv comedy principles can help us deal with a VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, or ambiguous environment. We have no idea what's going to happen. Is it going to be a tornado or hurricane? Volatile. It's uncertain. The marketplace can get very complicated. It can get very complex. And there can be a great deal of confusion over what your competition might be doing. So the improv principles, full circle, come back to help us deal with that VUCA environment. Yeah. And I, I think we're almost out of time, but 
you know, to wrap this up, I, I think you've also just basically described my life. These days. So yeah. <laughs> I think me and many people out there are living in VUCA environments at the moment. So we, we probably could bas basically uh, benefit if we all learn some applied improvisation. In, uh, in fact, uh, if I might just add yeah. on to what you said there, Brian, there have been, it's not business related, but there are countless articles that have been written in many magazines about people who've done improvisation and taken the classes and have said exactly that. It's helped me with my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it. I believe it. As we were talking today, I'm sitting here it's like this, this sounds so much like my life every day. <laughs> so um, thank you, Ted. Uh, we're just about out of time. If, if you're out there in our audience today and you like this topic, you can read more about it. Um, you visit scmr.com and, and you search for the article leadership and planning in an ambiguous world. Uh, it does require a subscription, but if you subscribe, obviously you can sign up on this. You can sign up on the site to subscribe if you want. You can get access to that and other great content from thought leaders like Ted, and as well as exclusive commentary that we run in our publication from MIT, the Association for Supply Chain Management, and many more. And you will also have access to the upcoming article on VUCA that Ted is writing for us in July. I'm sure it'll be just as good as the previous one, so uh, don't miss that. Uh, Ted, for those of us out, those out in the audience today that maybe they don't have a subscription to our site and they want to learn more, how might they get in touch with you? Uh, Brian, as always, it's easy to get a hold of me either on LinkedIn, uh, our website at www.bostonstrategygroup.com. And if anyone wanted to drop me, I'd welcome an email. It's at theodore.klein at spelled out bostonstrategygroup.com. Great. Thank you, Ted. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Fascinating topic. Uh, hope maybe we can do it again later this year when the next article comes out and we can update this later in the year. So thank you, we, Brian. Yeah, we are out of time. I want to extend a special thank you to all of you out there that took the time out of your day to listen to us. Well, I greatly appreciate it. Until next time, this is Brian Strait, and you've been listening to Talking Supply Chain. Talking Supply Chain is produced by Supply Chain Management Review and Peerless Media. You can find it on scmr.com, supplychain247.com, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. For more information on this topic or to sign up for our weekly newsletter, a print or a digital subscription to our publication, visit scmr.com. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For Supply Chain Management Review, I'm Brian Strait, and thank you for listening.